Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. This episode, we're bringing you all the most recent news and updates. We are excited to bring this to everyone. We've been talking about it for a couple of months. It is an opportunity for us to deliver to you the news and updates of the week. Our focus is going to be on singles, pairs, ice dance, and synchro. We will rely on all of you to send in your suggestions or your share your event with us so that we can get it out to everyone. So stay tuned at the end of the episode for all of our contact information. Yeah. So, you know, Daphne, this has been a very long season. And I've been saying this a lot because I think it had to do with the fact that the 2020 season ended abruptly. We, you know, we were supposed to all be at the World Championships in Montreal. And, and then last season, we really didn't have much of a season. Um, and so then this year, when we did have everything, we also had the Olympics thrown in. So it was just it just was a long season. So I'm kind of glad that it's over. <laughs> And that we can start, you know, get a little break here before we start moving on. But I think already we're getting ready for next season. But before we do, we should probably just kind of recap the last event of the season, which was Junior Worlds. I was a little concerned that we might not get Junior Worlds because originally they were going to hold it in Sofia, Bulgaria, and then they had to back out due to COVID. Luckily... Mm -hmm. Tallinn, Estonia has been phenomenal this season for the ISU. They not only held the event that they were assigned, which was the European Championships, but they stepped up to also, a week later, host the Four Continents Championships. Mm -hmm. And then when the call went out for a new host for the World Junior Championships, they answered the call, they stepped up, they did it. It's incredible. Kudos to them yeah. for being willing to do this. I was really concerned for the juniors because, as you said, during the 2020-21 season, we didn't really have a lot of events in person. And I felt oh. that especially those lower level junior skaters were not getting the, the developmental opportunities that they needed in order to keep growing. So was thrilled that Talon stepped up to host this. Yeah, it was just a little weird because normally we have Junior Worlds before the World Championships. So I had to kind of remind myself, okay, the season's not over yet. We've got one more event. Um, but yeah, definitely for Talon to step up and be willing to host the event even so late in the season as well after already hosting two you know, major events. Um, props to them. Um, but yeah, it, and I think ending with Junior Worlds, it was a great competition, um, you know, looking, especially for the U.S. Um, we had three U.S. skaters and teams um, get up on the podium with Elia winning the Junior Men's title and then Isabel Levito winning the first junior world title for u.s lady since 2008 with rachel flat and then una brown and gage brown um winning the ice dance event um so that was a great event for the u.s teams uh u.s figure skating 
Not only in Singles and Ice Dance, we got to see Georgia's Karina Safina and Luka Barulova and a very super long season, their mm. first season, <laughs> with a World Junior Gold Medal. Um, it's pretty successful for them to start out as juniors at the beginning, but then seal a spot for Georgia in pairs mm -hmm. by going to Nebelhorn and getting a spot for Georgia for the pairs event at the 2022 Olympics. They were third at Nebelhorn. They were fourth at Europeans and fourth at the World Championships. They're only 17 and 19. They're very young. They're already having an impact. So it was great mm -hmm. to see them cap off their season with that gold medal. Yeah, you know, I was impressed by them all season long. And again, you as you said, such a long season. I felt like they were at every event. It's just basically. Um, and then, you know, fourth place at both Europeans and the World Championships. And then to come on and take the top spot at Junior Worlds. Um, what a great first season um, together. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do in their sophomore season together. Absolutely. Last week, um, Figure Skating in Harlem held their um, 25th anniversary gala in New York City, and the U.S. Olympic team was in attendance and was recognized. Um, you know, Figure Skating in Harlem has done, is a great organization, has done a lot. I can't believe they've been around for 25 years already. Um, them and their partner organization, um, Figure Skating in Detroit, it's just a great organization. And so that was a, um, an event that happened last monday something else that was really cool is evan bates gave one of four keynote addresses at the 2022 athlete summit in washington dc on may 2nd yeah. this was part of olympians from the 2020 tokyo games and the 2022 beijing games um it gave them the opportunity to attend and meet the president of our country joe biden yeah, I think this was the first time that both Olympics, the 2020 Tokyo Games it being the summer, and then the 2022 Beijing being winter, both met the president at the same time. I don't think that's ever happened before. I think it's always because of the Olympics um, being, you know, four years, well, two years apart between, you know, summer and winter. Um, they've had their own celebrations with um, the president. Uh, separately and so this is the first time that both the winter and the summer athletes are together so that was kind of pretty cool that is cool i think the only other time that may have happened is way back when the olympics used to occur on this in the same year oh yeah because that's right yeah it's only been i think 1992 was the last year that they occurred at the same time because then right after 92 we went into 94, 94 for yep. winter 96 for summer and they did it spacing it out every two years mm -hmm. so i'm thinking if it ever happened before it would have had to have been before um, the olympics were split into this every two years process mm -hmm. yeah so stay tuned to social media for um, some photos i'm sure our athletes will be sharing photos um with them and President Joe Biden. Absolutely. So we're going to move on to our segment, General News. And it has been a very busy week. Oh my in, gosh. <laughs> for sure. 
<laughs> I keep feeling like every time we were talking about our episode here, we kept just adding news and adding news. <laughs> it was just like a busy week. And I was like, wait a minute. Isn't this supposed to be the off season? Like there's not supposed to be all this news, but um, I'm kind of glad we have a lot to talk about in our first episode here. We definitely do. And we're trying to bring not only news from the last week, as this is our first episode, but any other tidbits that may have come out in the last two weeks, just to kind of bring you all up to speed. And the first item we're going to tackle came out earlier today, which is the day we're recording it, uh, which is Monday, May 2nd. Uh, we'll break the fourth wall here and give you that information. Uh, Christine Brennan uh, reported that Peter Opergard has been suspended by the U.S. Center for Safe Sport after an investigation of allegations of physical abuse. Peter Opergard, of course, is the 1998 U.S. Olympic bronze medalist. So if you're interested in reading more about that, um, you can visit usatoday.com. And it was an article written by Christine Brennan, who has been covering a lot of this, mm -hmm. a, a lot of these stories. She has been bringing um, the information to light when it comes to safe sport and uncovering uh, allegations and then confirmations of suspensions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we just wanted to mention it. And then again, if you want to read more about it, um, find Christine Brennan's article on USA Today. Moving on, the ISU has continued its ban on Russia and Belarus. The ISU Council met on April 24th and decided that until further notice, no skaters or officials from Russia or Belarus will be invited to or allowed to participate in ISU international competitions, nor will Russia or Belarus be allowed to hold international competition. Yeah, the ISU is looking for a new host for Ross Telecom Cup. Should they call Talon? <laughs> if Talon if Talon is interested in hosting it, I feel like they should get first refusal just because of all the times that they have stood up for um the ISU Again, as we mentioned, hosting three ISU championship events <laughs> in the 2021-22 season, I think, is a record. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this may impact some skaters' decisions on whether they want to continue skating. Um, now that some of the top Russians are out of the mix, um, some who were thinking about retiring may decide, well, maybe I'll skate another season or two. So um, it'll be an interesting to see how this all unfolds come the fall. So next on our list, of course, the ISU has released Communication 2463, which is the Ice Dance Technical Requirements or Technical maybe Rules. This is all you, Daphne, here. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I have to thank Josh Kennan for pulling out the key pieces for this. I was given permission to share the information that he compiled from the communication. I greatly appreciate it. So the junior rhythm is going to be tango and the pattern dance is going to be Argentine tango plus one of the following dance styles, Paso Doble, Flamenco, Spanish Waltz, Fandango, Bolero, Jota, Sevillanas Malonga. And I'm sorry if I butchered the next to last 
rhythm or style on the list, I'm not familiar with that one. So I'm going to have to get familiar with it <laughs> for the upcoming season. The senior rhythm. I think this is the one that everybody's talking about. Yes. The senior rhythm is going to be Latin, which, of course, we had back in the 2017-2018 season. Except there's not going to be any pattern, which mm, I really am not sure about this decision. I really like the idea of having a pattern. I feel like it's a good baseline and I'd rather they continue to do that. However, it seems they're going in this direction of no pattern at all. You must include two different dance styles, salsa, bachata, Merengue, mamba, mambo, cha-cha, rumba, and samba. There is a pattern step sequence and a new choreographic rhythm sequence that's similar to the free dance choreographic step sequence. Lifted partners, pose or change of pose in a short lift or part of a combo lift must be different between the rhythm dance and the free dance. The example is a curved lift position should not be the same in separate programs. So that means some, yeah, different lifts we're going to be seeing. Definitely. I know that some of the teams have used the same or similar lifts in both programs. This is going to require a little extra work to create some different positions. The step sequence is now evaluated as one unit by adding the base values of the woman step sequence level and the man step sequence level and then applying the GOE. I'm really interested in learning more about how that's going to work, especially if one or the other has a fall, because I'm not really yeah. sure how that's going to work. Yeah, I think the choreographers have a hard job this year um, with this, you know, learning exactly what they can and can't do in a program this year. It's, um, again, I'm, I'm not as familiar with dance I'm getting better and learning it and I've always grown accustomed to trying to find the pattern in a rhythm dance and so this for me is going to be difficult a little bit I'm you know I've gotten used to okay can I find the fin step oh there's where the fin step comes in or the midnight blues um this past season but you know, this is going to be hard and it's going to be interesting. And I'm, I'm ready to see what, um, choreographers are going to come up with for this. It's also, I kind of still thinking we just did Latin and I know Latin was the last Olympic season. So 2018, um, but because of COVID and we had two seasons of Broadway, it just feels like Latin wasn't that long ago. So, mm -hmm. um, so we're going back to Latin and that's okay. But yeah, this is, it's all very interesting. Well, the, the dance styles that they've selected for junior are, some of them are different from what we saw before. Mm. And the Argentine tango is a different pattern. So I'm interested in the differences that we're going to see between what we saw in 2017-18 and now. The senior rhythm is more Latin feeling with cha-cha and rumba and samba. And when you compare it with Argentine tango and pasta doble flamenco for junior, I think we're going to see a difference between junior and senior programs, which in the past we haven't seen it that much because the styles 
that were selected for both levels were similar. Now, Daphne, here's a question. If a team is, you know, skating junior internationally, but then is skating senior nationally, will their rhythm dances be like two different programs? Because, you know, they're going to have to have a pattern dance for their junior one with the Argentine Mm -hmm. tango. But then when it comes to their senior rhythm dance, they're going to have no pattern. So is it basically, I'm thinking of, you know, um, Kat and Jeff who skated junior on the junior grand prix and then skated, you know, senior at the U S championships, are they going to just have basically two rhythm dances this year? It would make it more difficult. Teams would have to come up with two different programs, especially because not just the pattern, but the actual dance styles are different. Mm, Yeah, that's true. So it's going to make it a, a bit more work. So there were a couple of additions, um, for next season, or a couple of changes or some additional notes that Josh listed. He said there is a new choreographic move called the choreographic assisted jumps, and there are some specific criteria involved. At least three in a row, the same or different, cannot rotate more than one and a half, less than three seconds off the ice, no more than three steps between the jumps, And either partner may do the jump. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. That's interesting. Um, So I think uh, a lot of us will think of a jump being a jump, but is it just basically their feet coming off the ice? And how is that working? (laughs) It's assisted. One partner will assist the other in, in doing the jump. And what, you know... It made me start thinking, because they mentioned either partner can do the jump, it took me back to a while back when we had teams like Anasina and Pezerot mm-hmm. and the Kerrs doing lifts where the woman lifted the man. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, will we really see these choreographic assisted jumps where the woman is actually lifting or assisting the man? We could. Um, I'm we not could, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. interested in seeing where we go with this. But that, in a nutshell, are some of the changes that we will see in the 2022-23 season. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing where we go with that. Mm-hmm. So next month, on June 6th to the 10th, the ISU Congress will take place in Phuket, Thailand, with elections to be held on the final day of the Congress. Um, and so we've got quite a few things on the agenda and proposals that have been published that we, you know, will that we're going to talk about. Um, one, the, probably one of the biggest ones is the, there is an official ISU proposal. It's number 22. If you've, if you've read the document, which let me tell you, the document <laughs> is very long. I haven't even read it yet, but, um, yeah, it's, yeah so it's the, it's definitely not a little light reading. There's quite a bit of information. It's very dense. Yeah, yeah. If you've got an, an afternoon or a whole day, maybe, to sit and read it, go right ahead um, and, you know, feel free to share with us what you got out of it because I haven't had the time to sit through and read it all. But, yeah, going back, um, number 22, um, the official ISU proposal is to increase the minimum age for seniors from 15 to 17. 
by leaving the age as it is for this season, but increasing the age to 16 in the 2023-2024 season and 17 in the 2024-2025 season. And it would keep the age limits for junior and novice intact as is. Um, So I think here this is um, kind of coming out of a lot of what we've seen in recent years, especially this past Olympics and in previous years um, with Russians who are relatively young competing and then um, actually winning Olympic championships and then retiring relatively quickly. So yeah, um, this is an interesting because it's not a, it's a change that's going to, if this goes into effect, that would be over a couple seasons. It's not going to magically change to 17 um, until, you know, 2024, 2025. That is really interesting. I saw one of the other proposals was, I think it was from Norway, was recommending changing the minimum age to 17 immediately. And I kind of, I think, favor a combined hybrid approach where we move it to 16 this year and then mm-hmm. 17 next year, kind of on a shorter time scale where it will still have some impact, but it might not, it's not as drawn out as the ISU proposal, but it's not as compact as what Norway is proposing. Mm. But again, I, I've seen a lot of posting on social media. There are a lot of opinions about this on both sides of it. And I think the bottom line comes down to the health and safety of Mm -hmm. the developing skaters. Exactly. I think it's important to take everything into consideration when Mm -hmm. approving one of these proposals. And maybe a compromise at the table is, is appropriate in this situation. Yeah, now, Daphne, I'm seeing this, that Canada is proposing to raise the women's age maximum to 21 to match the men for pairs and dance. Now, that is for uh, the juniors, I'm assuming. Is that correct? Yes, that is for juniors. This isn't the first time that this has been brought up. This would eliminate the split between the two ages. This would put both the man and the woman on the same age trajectory where they could not have turned 21 by July 1st of that season. I think it's a totally appropriate. Mm-hmm. I know that there are teams where one partner ages out before the other. Generally, there is usually this two-year gap between two between partners, but that's not always the case. And so I think this kind of equalizes it and allows for that extra time to develop at the junior level. So I think it's entirely appropriate. Will it pass? I'm not sure. I'm kind of hopeful because I think it will give some extra time to the, to teams that could use the extra time at junior. Yeah. And I heard, you know, some of this age stuff has come up before and proposals in previous years, and it just hasn't um, gone through and it hasn't gone past, but I think something is going to come out of this in June, mm-hmm. um, I don't. I think with everything that happened at the Olympics, I think there will be some proposal for ages going into effect. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to. Ha- I don't think it's going to 
you know, get pushed aside again. Um, I think some action is going to be taken here in, um, in Thailand. Gina, I think you're right. I don't think that this is just going to be pushed aside. I think that there will definitely be something that will come out of this Congress. One other thing I noticed when I was reviewing the document is something that I think has actually already passed. It appears that during the 24-25 season, ISU is going to go back to utilizing a qualifying round in addition to the championship round. Um, the last For the last while, they have not been doing the qualifying. It has been you know, short program or rhythm dance and then free program and the top X number of competitors move on. They're going to employ two different types of entries, direct entries and qualifying entries. And I think this is something that we can talk about in a future podcast once we get more mm-hmm. information, because it isn't out. There's not tons of info about it yet. I think there will be more coming out and then we'll be able to discuss it in a future episode. It will be something that we can break down. Plus, it's not planned until the 24-25 season. So I think that we can we can definitely move on from it for now. But it's something I wanted to, you know, bring to folks' attentions. Yeah, because I'm not as familiar with it. I don't remember qualifying rounds as much. Maybe I did do, but um, it's kind of going way back. So yeah, I would definitely think it would be a great to break it down. Um, we've got some time. Obviously, if it does go into effect, I'm it wouldn't be until the 24, 25 season, which seems so far away, but really it's uh. not, <laughs> it's not. Um, but yeah, I, cause I'm kind of intrigued by how this would go with the direct entries and then the qualifying entries. And, you know, I'm just so used to everyone, you know, so many entries make it into the championship round, you know, the free skates, the free dances. And I'm just wondering what these, you know, qualifying entries would be. Well, the last time that they eliminated the qualifying round, that was in 2012. After 2012, they just basically designated a certain number of single skaters and pairs and dance teams that would advance after the, the rhythm or short dance, short program. So Gina, the cool thing is... The qualifying rounds are not the only piece of information we have about 24-25 season. We actually have the finalists for the 2025 World Championships, and there is a familiar host on listed. There is, and I think we're rooting for that host. I know we are, probably. But yes, they announced um, the five finalists for the 2025 World Championships, and Boston is on that list. And I know... Daphne and I were both at the 2026 World Championships in Boston. That was my first World Championships. I believe maybe yours too, Daphne? It was. I loved it. It was great to be in Boston so close to home and get to experience my first Worlds that way. Yeah, so it was a great event, and I think a lot of people would be rooting for Boston to host another World Championships but we should make sure we mention the other four finalists, um, Beijing, China, Prague, Czech Republic, Budapest, Hungary, and Malmo, Sweden. So, yeah, um, 
we're definitely rooting for Boston to become the host, but um, any of the countries are deserving of it. Um, I know Beijing just hosted the Olympics, so and but um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see who will be that host. 2025, um, it doesn't seem like it's that far away. And another interesting point is the 2024 World Championships is in Montreal. They were named to Montreal after the cancellation in 2020. So if Boston gets the World Championships for 2025, that would be two North American World Championships back to back. So that would be great for all of us in North America, but um, will the ISU do that? We have to wait and see. I don't know if it's likely. Yeah, I'm not but... sure. <laughs> yeah, so that, you know, but who knows? We'll have to wait. And, yeah, again, wait and see on that and keep our fingers crossed that maybe it'll be Boston. I would love for it to be Boston. I really would. As we mentioned earlier, there are going to be some elections held at this at the ISU Congress. Um, the current ISU president, Jan Dykema, is planned to step down at the end of his term. Here, there are four candidates that have been nominated, including two from the figure skating side. One familiar name for those of us in the U.S., mm-hmm. Patricia St. Peter, is a former U.S. figure skating president and the and a current ISU council member. I remember seeing Pat at many a nationals uh, presenting flowers, medals. Yeah, she's been there. 2014, I remember her announcing the Olympic team in Boston. So, yeah. um, So, yeah, it would kind of be great to see someone from the U.S., um, be the ISU president. Um, you know, we're here in the U.S., so that would be great for U.S. figure skating um, to have a representative or have the ISU president be from the U.S. But there is also one that you're familiar with that has been um, nominated as well, Daphne. Susanna Rockamo. She is the president of the Finnish Figure Skating Association, which she has been since 2004. She's also a two-time world medalist with her partner and husband, Petri Koko. She's done a lot of great things for mm-hmm. Finland. They've held and hosted, they have hosted a number of high-profile events. And again, she that is the second woman that is on the list, which mm-hmm. I'm excited to see two women that have been nominated by their countries for this esteemed position. There yeah. are two other candidates, uh, Slobodan Delic of Serbia and Jayul Kim of Korea, and they are both from the speed skating side of things. Um, both Kim and St. Peter are current members of the ISU Council. Delic and Rakamo are listed on the nomination sheet for membership. There is a proposal by Russia to increase the maximum age at the time of election from 75 to 80, which would allow the current ISU Vice President Alexander Lakernik to run for his post again. From everything I've heard, the ISU is opposed to this proposal. So, now, I, how many? Yeah, it's not likely to pass. Now, how many people are nominated for vice president, right? Because that's a separate from the president, right? Definitely. That is separate from the president, and currently there is only one person nominated for that position. Yeah, I'm hoping 
that um, it will be a representative from the figure skating side. Um, but yeah, we have to remember that the ISU also does represent speed skating as well. So of course, the speed skating community would hope that it would be someone from the speed skating. But um, that we will find out who it will be at the end of the council at the end of June. Yeah, it's pretty interesting if you think about it. Um If you're from the figure skating side or the speed skating side, you're not being elected just to take care of your side, but also the other side. So I can see that it would be, it could be a learning experience and it could be rather difficult to be able to manage both, especially if you really only have been focused on the one side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now you go with the... Yeah. So, um... Going back to the world championships, Evan Bates was elected by the ice dance athletes as their representative for the ISU Athletes Commission, and Eric Radford was the lone candidate for singles and pair skating, and both will join Dawa DeVries of the Netherlands speed skating um, to round out the Athletes Commission. Yeah, we've kind of both talked about this, but we kind of want to know what the Athletes Commission does um, and what yeah. Evan and Eric do as the candidates for singles and pairs and, and for ice dance. So maybe um, a future episode here we'll get either Evan or Eric on to talk about what they do as the representative. Um, but, you know, this is great honors for both of them. Um, you know, both have definitely been um, great ambassadors for the sport for both of their sports um you know for ice dance and for pairs and so i think you know congrats to both of them on this definitely and for our last item in the general news u.s figure skating just ended governing council it was held in colorado springs uh, just last week and there were a few items of note that came out of there Sam Oxier has been elected to a four-year term, so he was previously the USFS president from 2014 to 2018, so he is returning to that role. So Troy Goldstein was appointed as the ISU representative. Colin McManus was elected the new Athletes Advisory Committee chair. Uh, 2022 world champions Alexa Kinnear and Brandon Frazier were awarded honorary membership with U.S. figure skating. Seven clubs were granted full status, two clubs granted provisional status. The Governing Council approved removing references to lady and man from pattern dances and free dance tests. Those will now be referred to as the lead and the follow. Hmm. So we're moving on now to our social media updates. And this is basically updates we have seen on social media, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And one of the things that came out um, yesterday, that would be on Sunday, was Ashley Kane Gribble posted on her Instagram that both she and Timothy LaDuke are both out of their tours. They were going to be in the Ice Dreams tour that is kind of on the East Coast, and then they had a show at Stars on Ice, um, and this is just because Ashley is continuing to recover from the concussion she suffered at the World Championships. So we wish Ashley, you know, continued um, recovery as she prepares to um, 
for whatever the future holds, we don't know if they plan to continue skating. Um, but again, we just wish Ashley the best of luck. Kind of stinks she won't be able to com- um, perform in those tours. Yeah, absolutely. So longtime skating fans be happy to learn that Michelle Kwan is one of the nominees for the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Hall of Fame class of 2022. And you can vote for her. We will include the link for voting within our show notes so that you'll be able to go ahead and vote for her. It's pretty cool to see her listed there as the lone figure skating representative in this list of nominees. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of excitement with that because I shared that on the Figure Skaters Online Twitter uh, earlier today and people were already responding, I voted, I voted. And so, um, yeah, (laughs) so if you can vote for Michelle Kwan in that, I don't know how long that goes, but again, we'll include the link for you to vote and you can vote for other athletes as well. You can't, you don't get just one vote. British ice dancer Sasha Fear announced last week on Instagram that she and her partner, George Waddell, have parted ways. Fear and Waddell finished 17th at the most recent World Championships, 15th at Europeans in January. It's interesting, both Fear and Waddell have siblings who are skaters. Lila Fear, of course, is partnered with Lewis Gibson. They finished sixth at Worlds. And Bruce Waddell, um, George's brother, he and his partner, Natalie D'Alessandro, won the silver medal at April's World Junior Championships. Yeah, I was a little disappointed to see this news that they had split, um, especially since they got to compete at the World Championships with Lila and Lewis kind of getting that second spot for Great Britain for the World Championships. And so uh, Sasha got to compete at Worlds with her sister. Um, But yeah, you know, again, I wish both of them the best of luck in whatever they choose to pursue. We don't know if they are looking for other partners um, or if they continue to keep skating. But again, we wish them the best in um, whatever they choose to do. But yeah, I was a little disappointed to see this news. Me too, because I saw them back um, last fall and thought they had improved a lot since I had seen them Before that, which had been like two years prior, I think. I was disappointed to learn that they had parted ways because I thought that they had shown a lot of improvement since I had seen them. Sofia Samadorova from Russia has retired from skating. This was reported by Sport24.ru. She will be a coach in Alexei Mishin's group. Uh, Samadorova, of course, was a 2019 European champion, but in Russia, because the level of skating is so deep, especially on the ladies' side, it it just is so competitive that you could be the European champion one mm-hmm. year and not even make it there the next. That is just how intense it is within the ladies' event in Russia. Yeah, I will be honest. I kind of forget about her sometimes because just that depth that you just mentioned with the women in Russia, um, you know, she, again, she wins the 2019 European championships and then, you know, is not able to get to the Olympics because of, um, just that depth. So I'm pretty sure everyone saw this. I know we did. We were both like pretty Mm -hmm. impressed. 
Um, Ilya Malinin has attempted a quad axle. There's a video posted on this Instagram story as of Sunday. Pretty amazing attempt at a quad axle. Um, I think it's the best we've seen. <laughs> it's the best we've seen. Pretty impressive. What is interesting is I don't think he's taken a break. Um, here he is at the, you know, he wins the Junior World Championship. And then you would think, well, maybe I'll take a break, go on a little vacation. Nope. No. Quad axle attempts. <laughs> here we come. Um, yeah, so this was quite impressive. And it'll be interesting to see if he will attempt this um, next season or this coming season. But um, yeah, I was quite impressed. I've been impressed with him for a while. Um, you know, when we spoke. Both Daphne and I saw him at the Junior Grand Prix in Lake Placid. And then, of course, he had some injuries after that. That was in um, 2019. And I just hope he stays injury-free. Me too. It's I feel like he's done his time with the injuries. So yeah. I want to see him be able to continue to build on all this momentum that he has built from, you know, U.S. Nationals, his... Standout performances there. Mm -hmm. He went to Worlds and may not have had the finish he was hoping for, mm -hmm. but I still think it was probably an educational opportunity for him. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, winning the World Junior Championship in a commanding fashion, now he's hitting quad mm -hmm. axles in practice. <laughs> Man, I think you're right. I don't think he did take a break. So I'm looking forward to seeing what we, what he presents to us, you know, next season. Mm-hmm. So in our final item, uh, French ice dancer Jeffrey Brissot shared in a photo on Instagram that our 2022 Olympic champion, Guillaume Cizeron, is going to choreograph the 22-23 free dance for him and his partner, Evgenia Lopareva. So I'm really interested in what we're going to see here. And yeah, I think... That rounds out our social media updates. So, yeah. So even though this is the off season, it is time to start thinking about next season. So our next segment is events announcements. And we have heard about a lot of announcements for um, events this coming season. And the first one up is Skate America, which we are both very excited about because it is going to be at the Skating Club of Boston in Norwood, Massachusetts, which is just outside of um, the city of Boston. It's about a 20, 25 minute drive from um, downtown Boston. Uh, but Daphne and I were both at the Skating Club of Boston this past August. And if you haven't been, it is a great facility. It is, oh, oh, it's cr incredible. There are three rinks in there now. They're, they do use it for hockey, but you don't see a facility open strictly for figure skating. So, um, you know, this is a great a venue and... Um, it will be held, Skate America will be held October 21st to the 23rd. Now, there has been some concern with fans because the performance arena in the uh, at the Skating Club of Boston only holds about 2,000 seats. So it's going to be a little bit smaller than what we have seen previously. Um, but I think 
I think we were both very impressed with um, the Skating Club of Boston when they held the Cranberry Cup in the Lake Placid Ice Dance Championships this past August. So I think they're going to do a great job with uh, Skate America here. And um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to making the trip to Norwood for that. Yeah. Also announced the U.S. Classic is going to take place from September 12th through the 16th in Lake Placid, New York, which is a venue that is very near and dear to my heart. It's going to include all disciplines and it's going to be a Challenger Series event. But in addition to that, also Skate Canada announced that the Skate Canada International will take place in Mississauga from October 28th through the 30th. This will be the fifth time that Mississauga has held this event. I attended. It was 2000. Mm. Um, I think that was my first time on a plane. Yeah, oh, it was my first time okay. on a plane. I went to Mississauga. Oh, yeah. nice. Now, that was... Mississauga, the last time they hosted Skate Canada was in 2016, and that was my first Skate Canada. So um, also with both Skate Canada being in the Northeast, as well as Skate America being in the Northeast, this presents an opportunity for fans um, and anybody who would like to do both Skate America and Skate Canada, because I'm sure it's pretty easy to get a flight from Boston to Toronto. Um, so you could do both weekends if you want, um, Skate America and Skate Canada. I wish I could. I think I'm not going to be able to do both uh, just because, you know, full-time job gets in the way. But um, yeah, so it's really cool that the Northeast is getting some um, Grand Prix events this year. Yeah, I'm really excited that we're getting both of these competitions because, like you said, it's going to be easy to get from Boston to Toronto. And hopefully, you know, some fans will make an effort and it's a possibility for them to go to both. Again, we're going to be waiting. You know, this time of year, we start getting amped up, waiting to find out what the Grand Prix assignments are going to look like. So I'm oh, sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to be waiting to find out who's going to be at what. And I... I know with me, sometimes the roster will determine mm-hmm. which event, if if it's an event that's close that I could drive to, potentially, the roster sometimes does, you know, come into play when I decide to go to an event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and those will come out in June, um, end of June. So uh, definitely just a month away can't believe it and we will definitely break down all of those announcements um for grand prix assignments um when that comes out in the end of june but we can't forget to mention that stars on ice is going on right now um both in canada and in the u.s So Canada kicked off their tour Friday in Halifax, and it runs throughout Canada until May 21st. And the U.S. tour, which includes the 2022 Olympic team, um, actually finished its 10th show this past weekend. Um, Their next show is Friday in Cleveland, and the tour runs until May 29th. Um, I actually was just at the Hershey show uh, last Friday, and I had the opportunity to speak with Mariah Bell and Vincent Joe 
Um, so stay tuned for articles with them and my show review in the coming days on figure skaters online. Um, so yeah, um, for those who are able to, I definitely highly recommend seeing the show. Um, I know some people aren't big show fans, but, um, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, Stars on Ice is special to me. Uh, my mom used to take me as a little kid, so I now take her along with me when I go and see the show, and we just enjoy it, and it's just a nice um, to see the skaters having fun and, and bringing out some of their Olympic programs as well as debuting some other programs as well. Um, but it was a little bittersweet because we don't know, um, you know, the future of some of these skaters. And so this could have been the last time I saw them perform. So I did have some tears, but um, it was a fun show. And so, again, if you're able to see either the Canada show or the U.S. show, I definitely recommend checking it out. So U.S. Figure Skating has released the dates and locations for the 2023 qualifying series events. Eastern sectionals will take place in Nord, Massachusetts, and will also include the U.S. Ice Dance Final. Midwestern sectional singles event will include the U.S. Pairs final, and that will take place in Lansing, Michigan. And the Pacific Coast sectional singles final will take place in San Francisco. U.S. championships are going to take place on January 23 to the 29th in San Jose, California. There are a list of additional events to qualify to get to the sectional singles or dance or pairs finals. And we will be including links to that in the show notes. Yeah. Devney, it looks like you'll be heading to Norwood again. Yes, I will. <laughs> I love that they're holding events in Norwood because I love that facility. I love events I can get to by driving. It's much better than flying. So our final podcast segment, we're going to talk about the upcoming events for this week. Gina, why don't you let folks know? What's yeah. coming up this week? Yeah, so the 35th anniversary benefit gala and performance for Ice Theater of New York is taking place um, this week. Um, the gala is Monday, May 9th, but the company will also be having performances May 6th through the 7th. And the gala will honor Ice Dance legends Jane Torval and Christopher Dean. So we will include the information on this in our show notes so that if you are in the New York City area, you might want to check this out. Um, I've been wanting to really check out a performance of the Ice Theater of New York. I've seen a lot of their stuff online and would love to check it out, um, uh, you know, in person. So hopefully maybe one of these days I'll get down to the city for one of their performances. But yeah, if you're in the New York City area, definitely check it out. But that is the only event we've got going on this week. Next week, we hope to bring you some information on some of the summer competitions that will be coming up, especially at the end of May and into June. So listen for that. Until then, Gina, can you let folks know where they might find us on our social media? Yeah, absolutely, Daphne. Um, you can find us at our website, which is www.thisweekinskating.com. And then we are on all of the socials including Twitter. Now, Twitter's a little different here. It's at this WK in skating. So no E's in there for week. So this WK I N skating. 
Facebook, we are Facebook, and it's This Week in Skating. Instagram, it's This Week in Skating. So Twitter's the only different one, but we will make sure we include all of our, our website and all of our social media links in the show notes. So you can find us and please like us um, and follow us and we will post all our updates so you know when you can check out another episode. If you have any questions or want to give us feedback after our first episode, you can send it to us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com or you can also reach out to us on any of the social media that Gina listed above. Again, I think this episode may have been a little more ice dance heavy, but we're really hoping <laughs> to branch this out and build into a podcast that brings you the news and event information from all of the skating disciplines. That is our goal yeah. and our plan. And we'd love to hear from you uh, with suggestions on what we can do better and what types of interviews you might like to see in the future. Because part two of this podcast is going to be doing interviews with some of the folks involved in figure skating. Yeah. And also, if you have an event, competition, or anything going on that you would like us to, you know, talk about, um, we would love to hear what those are, you know, or if you see something on social media that you think we should include in our social media section, please let us know. You know, we can only see so much social media um, as well. So again, reach out to us. You can also email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. Again, thisweekinskating at gmail.com. Absolutely. We'd love to promote your event and we would love to hear from you if you see something we need to include. With that, we've reached the end of our first episode. Yay! Thanks everyone for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have a great week. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.